welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And in this episode, number 399, I'm welcoming to the show my husband, Bruce McFadden. All right, here we are. Hey, today's, a, today's a big day. February 22nd is when we're recording this. And it is our youngest son's 11th birthday. I was thinking about how that was the time I had my panic attacks. And it feels really good to be 11 years past that. And it's our oldest son's 17 and a half birthday, which means we're only six months away from him being 18, which feels big. And then this episode is going live on our anniversary. Happy anniversary. That's uh, that's a lot of numbers. It's a lot of numbers. We're a number family. Yeah. If we had, if, you know, we have our family, you know, values of communication and creativity and fun, but also numbers. Yeah. We like to, we do. <laughs> I do think we talk about numbers a lot. We divide everything from itself. <laughs> we find connections in numbers. Yeah. But I asked for questions, and what's interesting is they really did circle around two topics. One was marriage, so it being our anniversary, that's timely. And another was raising teenagers, and we have three of them. So we are really humbled in that area. <laughs> yeah, and also we recognize that we're, you know, we're mid-journey. We're not even mid. I feel like we're just getting started. This is hard, yeah. y'all. Yeah. I mean, we, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Every stage has its own heart. and. Uh, learning. So let's start with marriage. What do you think? Let's do it. One question we got from Brooke Johnson is, could you discuss a low point in your marriage and how you worked through it? And another gal, Love Ardently, she said, what was the hardest challenge throughout your married life together? And so I think people want to know about hard stuff. <laughs> and you and I were talking, we feel like we've shared this a lot, but when we looked back at the previous six times you've been on the show, we've really only talked about it once. So in your mind, what was our hardest or lowest point? That's a, that's a loaded question. <laughs> no, we already talked about this. Remember the season when we had young kids? Yeah. You, yeah. Bruce is a positivity guy. Yeah. So, so I, yeah, I tend to He's like, what What do you mean? It's all been amazing. <laughs> I think we went into our marriage, pre-marriage counseling, and we were supposed to rate our relationship, and you were all like roses and starlight and rainbows, and I was like, it's the worst. Here's all the problems. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's, yeah, that is kind of how we approach most So you're like, there challenges. was a low point in our marriage? What? Yeah. No, but you're right. It definitely was when our kids were young young, really young. Um, I know, I think one of your guests shared ages, a listener, one, a, of, the one listener. of your listeners shared ages that were, we were there before. Was it seven, four, yeah, two was, and six um, months? Sarah, Pete Gordon, she has, yeah, seven, four, two and six months. You got it. We were there <laughs> and that's, that's hard. And you know, yeah, I think when we had our second, that was hard that way we really had to come to Jesus. I think we had divided and conquered. And once they went to sleep, we went to our computers. We didn't have smartphones back then because we're old, but we really forgot to connect. Yeah. And then when we had four, it was just 
exhausting. We were both physically, emotionally exhausted. And it's usually, I mean, I think for you it was your career. You were really busy with work and you were emotionally checked out. I mean, yeah, I, I would say, you know, realistically, I think our, our connection, the first, you know, 10, maybe even 15 years of our marriage was, was more around the occasional moments of fun. And I feel like we really didn't talk about real stuff for a lot of that period. Really. Rick, when I, when I'm really honest with myself, like, I think we, kind of kept it surface level. I think it it's really been kind of the last eight to 10 years where I feel like we've learned, you know, language on communication and creating time. Like I remember when the kids were young, we would do couch time. We tried to do couch time, but we'd do it periodically. I wouldn't say we were super consistent because usually that was that like, you know, the last kid's gone to bed and there's nobody crying and it's quiet and Maybe that's eight, eight thirty, and we're and we tired. Would, yeah, and it wasn't like we would watch a show right away. I think it was this intentionality to say, okay, let's meet on the couch, let's talk for just a little bit, and sometimes it would linger, and sometimes we're like, we're both tired, let's turn something on, or let's go to bed. Yeah. yeah. But it was this: I'm choosing you, and I want to see you. And for females, that is, I was just reading Bruce's section out of my friend. Nancy Houston, she wrote this little booklet, Then God Made a Woman, Unwrapping Female Sexuality. A huge part of connecting as a married couple is your sexual intimacy. And for women who are in that season of young kids, their brains are full of worries, fears, stress. I mean, men are full of other, you know, their stresses. But for women, when the brain is turned on, the sexual organs are turned off. It is science. And it takes a minute to activate the areas of the body that are like, yeah, I'm ready to be intimate with you. And so having that couch time or, you know, it, be, it it transitioned into taking walks for us once a week, that's huge, you know, for really feeling seen and heard and releasing some of that stress. I think when I could communicate to you, oh, I'm really worried because Koi got sent home for biting, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, which feels ridiculous now that he's 17. But those were really heavy worries for me when we had little kids or the boys keep fighting or I don't know how to get so-and-so to take a nap. Like they may seem silly now, but they're really weighty yeah. at the time. No, I, I remember how, how hard that was and they're just not really being an easy answer to it, unfortunately. But I know one of the questions somebody asked, like, does it get easier? I think was roughly what that question was. Yeah. And, you know, just being reiterating that, you know, we're still on the journey too. <laughs> like we, um, you know, there's a level of, you know, humility, I think that we should all keep with that because um, the story is still being written. But I think, um, I just think that these challenges are, they just evolve. And I think, you know, things that we work through now are just totally different than things you worked through five years ago. And so I would say, and, and I'll kind of reiterate a little bit of what um, I think maybe in a, a prior episode, and we talked about feelings, which is a huge part of my journey, just kind of understanding what do I, what am I feeling? I don't know, honestly, be honest, really what I'm feeling. Um, but I had to, I had to learn that. I had to learn that language. Um, we were actually in our small group last Sunday morning and we we're kind of going around sharing our feelings, but Heather and I, the, 
usually your Saturday mornings, we have our walk and that's kind of when I figure out my feelings. And I realized. That's... Wait, you said that really fast. Okay. You said Saturday mornings when we normally have our walk so, and yeah. that's, and, and this was new to me when you said it on Sunday. Okay. You said. So let me, let me just kind of maybe just ref, like, so our general, for, for me, I see our communication patterns <laughs> really as Saturday mornings, kind of the casual, we're walking. For me, that's really helpful shoulder to shoulder time. It's not kind of pressure. Nobody's looking. Heather's not looking at me. And I, I don't, there's not like a time constraint. There's not like a waiter coming and checking on us every yeah. few minutes. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's just kind of a free kind of period of just kind of exploration. And usually I'm kind of figuring out what I'm thinking. So we were about to take our walk on Saturday morning. All of a sudden Heather realized that we had a, one of our kids had a basketball game in 25 minutes. So all of a sudden <laughs> we were, were like, watching the greatest showman. It was a good morning. It was a good morning. It was also freezing and you cold. were kind of getting sick. There were a lot of reasons why it just wasn't a good match, but we didn't get the walk. And then usually Saturday nights were we have a date. You usually have a date. You, you, a lot of times one-on-one sometimes with, with other people, but um, so then sa- Sunday mornings when I'm going into small group and we're talking through feelings, I'm usually well prepared. <laughs> like I had a lot of time to process through it all. Well, we didn't, we, we, I think we had a date on Saturday night, but that's, that's more fun and a little bit less on the, you know, real deep processing. And so I realized was everybody's kind of talking through their feelings. I was like, I really don't know what I'm feeling. So, so it's, you recognized not only is it valuable connection for us, it helps you kind of identify what's going on in you and process that. I have to, I'm an external processor. And so I kind of need that safe space to be able to share my feelings without, you know, oftentimes, you know, I think one thing we've developed on is I don't want a lot of questions. Like <laughs> I don't want, I definitely don't want to be peppered with questions that actually makes me, you know, bottle up a bit. Like I just need freedom. Like I think, you know, the, the Townsend framework we use in our small group, I need, generally I want just containment. I just want a free space to, I, I need a free space just to, share my thoughts without critique, without a bunch of Q and a, um, like this, that, that creates a safe environment for me. And then through that, I start talking and generally through it, I begin to piece out what I'm thinking. So very often Heather on like a Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday will be like, what's going on with you? What's wrong? And I'm like, oh, nothing's wrong. Nothing's <laughs> wrong. And usually on Saturday morning, I'm like, oh, now that I think like I really in the moment, didn't know. You're, you're primary. You're just doing. You're doing. You're moving. You're not really processing the stress, the fear in the moment. Which Correct. Is, so I just think ultimately when we have gone through a hard season of marriage, it has been individually we're going through a challenge, whether, you know, loss of my dad, my mom living with us, that was hard, or work stress or kid stress. What has helped us work through that to answer the question was really leaning in individually to our own ability to communicate and be aware of what's going on in us and make intentional time to share that with each other. Because when you're not sharing with each other, you intuit, you see the person you, you see them reacting. You think it's maybe about you. You create a narrative. The story I'm telling myself, which I think we shared in the last episode, story I'm telling myself is blank. And you've created this narrative. If you don't even communicate that you've created this false narrative, 
you continue to operate and you guys are totally missing each other. You're reacting from your anxiety and stress. They're reacting from their anxiety and stress. And you just stay in those circles of mismatch. One of our parenting challenges is a child who has some sensory specifications. Yes, very specific. Very specific. And that includes his bed. Yeah. What is frustrating for you with his bed? He seems to reject his bedding materials really often. I mean, often. We're, we're having to make all sorts of unique adjustments that don't make any logical sense. Yeah, but to him they do. And one thing that has really helped is I ordered a set of bowl and branch twin sheets for him and he gives them the double thumbs up. Like yeah. he really likes them. Yeah, he does. He is telling me that they feel like fancy, fancy sheets. Like he said, they, they feel fancy. They feel fancy. Yeah. And I think they're all, I told them they only get softer each time hmm. you wash them because they use the highest quality threads on earth. They're made with slow grown organic cotton. I'd never even heard of slow grown organic cotton, but it causes them to be really, really soft and like buttery to the touch and breathable. So they're good in Texas where we have cooler and warmer months within like 24 hours, <laughs> we can have cooler and warmer weather. And they're loved by millions of sleepers. Did you know they're so luxurious? They're loved by three U.S. presidents. Hmm. Do you know which three U.S. presidents? I don't, but I'm, <laughs> there might be down to two. I don't know. <laughs> Over 10,000 raving reviews, and they come in 10 versatile colors in all the sizes, even up to California King. They're made without toxins, free from pesticides, formaldehyde, other harsh chemicals. They fit the deepest mattress and they're even labeled top and bottom tags, so you can make your bed really easily. Make the most of bedtime with bowl and branch sheets. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code DMA at bowlandbranch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code DMA. Yeah, and I think the key there is there's you know I recognize people listening to this they're 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 bringing their own challenge a different challenges challenge. yeah ours their own is personalities not, yeah. their yeah. own dynamics yep. their own personal stories and so you know they're in their own situations insofar as ability to create you know time together and things like that so this isn't like a one size fits all no, solution it is not but I do think that there are some foundational pieces that that are going to be consistent to like that healthy communication and one of them frankly is understanding what safety looks like for that other individual yeah. and creating that. And so for me, that safety is what I call containment or what <laughs> Townsend calls containment. He has, he has, and we've talked about this before, relational needs. What do you need yeah. from people and whether it's encouragement. Some people need more encouragement. Some people need celebrating. Some people need advice. They really can't move forward unless they get your feedback on what they're doing. And so recognizing for yourself, what do I need in this situation and asking for that from and that might people. that might be a place to start in that and, that, and by the way and it's not somebody who's going to probably come up with their answer on that the first time like it's no, so this ask. is an iterative process right but for me what i realized is the one that's most helpful for me and that creates a safe environment generally is containment which is just basically i just need a safe space that i can just talk where i'm not judged where i'm not criticized where there's 
questions are at the minimum. <laughs> like, I don't want, you know, I don't want to be peppered with questions and I don't want to be like, oh, I'm so glad you're finally, you know, you don't want shame and guilt. And, you you know, don't like, want like even any kind of commentary on your process. I don't want any commentary on my process. I just need a safe space. Um, and what we were going to talk about too was this posture, which I think yeah. no matter what your marriage story, no matter what challenges are specific to your marriage, there is a posture we've noticed that is really essential to moving forward and working through a hard place. And that is a growth posture. Yes. Are you willing to learn about yourself, about your spouse, learn from others? Because yes, containment, but I think at the same time, you are willing to listen and learn from other people. It's not like you're like, I just want to live my life and I don't, you just want a space to well, be Well, containment to was where I kind of needed to be for a few years, frankly, as I kind of try to figure out that out. But now- But you were still in a containment space. You were still learning and growing. You yes. It doesn't mean stagnant. But now, but now sometimes the conversations I go to other ones, there's, you know, Heather will, I'm sure, share this sheet again. I think you shared it in a prior episode. Um, but like- now I feel like I've expanded out where I don't necessarily just need containment. Yeah. But I did for a few years predominantly just need that containment. But to your, the, the growth posture piece, I think that that was a helpful lens too. I think there are, you know, I think there are people who just naturally just want to grow, 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 grow. And I think there's other people who naturally want to protect and, and are a little bit less open to that. And I do think that allowing and recognizing an opportunity for growth and seeing this is somebody has to kind of decide they they really want growth. I think really for this to be effective, but I also don't think it's something that can be forced upon somebody either. I think um, you have to make that internal decision, yeah. and and I think sometimes we don't want to grow because what we know feels safe and comfortable, even if it's maybe not our best version, and we're hurting people around us. That's what we know. And I think with parenting, we got some questions about parenting teens and what, what's the difference in moving into the teen years. And I think that as you're parenting, you really need to be in a growth posture because your kids are growing. And like when I had um, Dr. Ken Wilgus on talking about feeding the mouth that bites you, you have to transition your parenting style as your kids are growing or you will suffocate the relationship and isolate yourself from having any voice or say in their life. And so I think growth posture for us is yes, individually, yes, as a married couple, and yes, as we engage with our kids. Yeah. And, and yes, insofar as recognizing that, you know, what worked with one kid might not work with the next <laughs> kid or what worked with one kid in one stage might not work. So that's kind of, once again, you that growth posture, reading the room yeah. um, and reading the reading your own, your growth and your spouse's growth and as well as your the, the growth of your kids. Kind of one of the things that um, when I saw some of the questions about raising teenagers, one thing that I kept hearing about as our kids were getting kind of towards, you know, teenage years was this whole idea of kind of like that rite of passage. And I never did that growing up. So, I, you know, I didn't necessarily have like that moment where I was like, you know, you're a man now type of thing. Now, yeah. And like traditionally in a Jewish culture, the bat mitzvah, bar mitzvah, there's an actual ceremony. There's right. a celebration of saying you are now an adult. Right. 
Um, and so I didn't have a lot of context on that. And so we, with our oldest, we did that, you know, I think it was around eighth grade and, um, we used, um, a curriculum from champion tribes that I didn't interview. Yeah. Um, and, and I wouldn't say we didn't use the full package. Um, I think we kind of made it our own. Like I, I just wanted, I really wanted the content, the topics. And so that's really the, the main part we used, which is really helpful. Um, and you did this in context of community. It was with you and yes. three other dads or two other dads. Uh, that, that was two other dads, two other dads and their sons and their sons that were friends of our oldest. And we just went away for our weekend and just kind of, you know, mostly just kind of doing some outdoor stuff, having fun. Um, and then we would have these 12 topics and we would have cover each, each the three dads would split, we split the topics up. We each had, you know, four topics um, and they weren't long conversations. And they really meant to be kind of just sharing a story, kind of just some dialogue. And, and you know, probably the average, you know, topic was 25, 30 minutes. And doing this does not mean that then your kid will never make bad choices. No, for sure not. Because <laughs> to be honest, hopefully we really weren't teaching them very much in those 12. Hopefully these were, you know, areas like responsibility and things like that. Like things, were, these were things hopefully that were well covered before, but um, I think the most important part was at the very end. It was the very end and it wasn't, you know, some people do more, you know, dramatic ceremonies. We didn't do that. It was just, you know, we had like a token. Um, for our second son, we used a James Avery necklace that had, you know, a, a silver cross on it. Something that, you know, is kind of a token of of this. And, you know, we would have, we kind of wrote this letter to them and we read it to them. Actually, I think we did that one-on-one, -on -one, um, not necessarily as the group, because it was really more about our relationship. It really was not about show. It was about kind of just my relationship. And I sat down- Your relationship My with relationship with my son, with our son. And I sat across from him and I said, look, to this point, you have been a kid and we have really been a big driver on you know your decisions and your consequences. But you know, with this token, I'm literally handing the keys to you. You're a man now and you're going to make your own decisions. You're going to make good decisions. You're going to make bad decisions. But our role, um, your mom and my role is now shifting from kind of your leader to your coach. And I, I don't know, you know, it's not like something like the clouds parted and <laughs> things like that. But I mean, I think, but it, I structurally changed my mindset at that point. Um, and so we, you know, we had a lot, lot of strict rules around, you know, game time and kind of how we manage, you know, their activities, um, and prior, prior. And at that point, this was kind of, this was a little bit of a science project the first time, and even the <laughs> second time, you know, where we, we give them a lot of freedom and much better for them to have and that, a lot of responsibility and a lot of responsibility. Um, for them to have four years to go through that in the yeah, home. Yeah, because that started at 14. Yeah. Yeah, and that in the home under our roof. And we're watching them navigate, you know, our oldest first job. And even I think it was, I can't remember who I had on the show who was like, you should not be waking up your kids anymore. And I thought, oh my goodness, we are still waking up our teens. So even just like the, you are responsible for waking yourself up and going, to work in school. But not anymore. We don't. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. They are responsible yeah. for waking themselves up. We are not doing that anymore. Yeah. That was like, like, it sounds silly now, but it's even, you know, when they're little, I remember I was still helping our oldest get dressed. He could have dressed himself, but you're just in the season of like little kids and you're doing everything. You forget what they can do for themselves. And I yeah. think it's that mindset of, 
oh, they're capable of doing this for themselves within the context and that book, Feeding the Mouth That Bites You, talks through this, like, here are the consequences of the boundary lines. If we give you this freedom and you go past what is safe and legal, we pull in and we get involved because you are still under our roof, but we want to be able to give you this allotment of freedom and so show us that you can manage that well. And so we do, like you keep the grades up, then you can choose how much game time you have on your own because you're managing when you get your schoolwork done on your own time. And we've seen them do that because what happens if you don't, like you go to college and for the first time ever, you're given that freedom. And what happens? Kids don't ever stop playing games and then they don't go to class. And then it's like you flunk out of school because you never learned how to manage these abilities to do things on your own. Anyway, I just think yeah. we're still learning and th- there have been flubs along the way sure. and big mistakes and we're still learning mistakes. And yet, even the mistakes, you wanted to talk about this, like because you've established that re- relationship of you're the man, even in the mistakes, how we yeah. handle so, I mean, we've had, you know, obviously many opportunities to recognize that our kids are making decisions that we view as less than ideal, right? It's just in even a recent situation where we, instead of making it about right and wrong and you need to fix this and change this, or we're going to take away this, we just ask questions. And I was really surprised, continue actually to be surprised. I can't count on this every time. And this is definitely not a, you do this and it leads up to this. This is not a formula. It's not a formula. In this situation, (laughs) which was an important situation, I was really impressed with the amount of transparency honesty on Uh, their part on their part um i felt i felt like a coach and i was like okay i want to stay in this coach role i'm not taking the keys back that would be the worst thing i could do here and in fact one the 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 first conversation was myself with this individual one-on-one and i was so thrown back thrown thrown off by the amount of transparency that i he asked well do you have any questions and i said um Thank you first for being so honest. I wasn't prepared for that. Um, I need some time to process this and let me let me come back to you on this. And, and we did a later of a conversation and, you know, Heather was there and we kind of talked it through, but, you know, don't, don't also feel like in the moment you necessarily have to come back with some wisdom that's going to definitively answer or prescribe what, what they should and shouldn't do. Like, I think if, if we're getting to the point where it's more of just conversations and once again, we're more of a coach and we're able to provide some thoughts. And sometimes that thought might be, Hey, we need a little bit more time to come back with some further ideas, coaching or questions. You know, I I feel like directionally that's the right way to go. That's good. Bruce, I know you have a job that takes up a lot of time and energy, but what's the most important part of your job? Getting the right people in the right seats. Yeah, that sounds challenging. It is. Have you ever used Indeed to help you? Because they are the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Yes, of course. Indeed is huge. It's huge. Yeah. Really helpful. Yeah. I have seen that it saves a lot of time because you're finding candidates that have the right skills and that they have all these really cool, powerful hiring tools like their Indeed Instant Match, their assessments, and their virtual interviews. Have you used any of their 
tools. I have not used Indeed's tools, but I should check it out. You're going to you're gonna do that after we talk here? I will check it out. <laughs> and if you hate waiting, their data shows that 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches the job description the moment they sponsor a job. Have you ever tried sponsoring a job? I'm pretty sure we have. Our recruiters probably do that, deal with that much the more detail, detail of that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, uh, I'm really thankful that when you do sponsor, you get the short list of quality candidates because the resume matches your job description. So it's like this, you know, let the computers do the work for you, right? Indeed knows when you are growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. So visit Indeed.com slash DMA to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash DMA, Indeed.com slash DMA. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Okay, a couple quick questions. Does Bruce listen to every podcast? <laughs> oh, this is now I'm starting to feel guilt and shame. <laughs> this is from I was our friend you Tracy. You were going to ask me that one. Tracy, Thanks, Tracy. Tracy wants to know do you even listen to podcasts? First of all, no, you oh, don't listen to podcasts. You listen to audiobooks because you, once you finished all the president's biographies, then you got into other biographies and you've now covered all the dictators and. <laughs> <laughs> I do like to read. Um, so I will no. say that. So no is the yeah. answer. No is the quick answer. Thanks, what did you want to say about it? Uh, about what part? About not listening. Well, I do feel guilt and shame about that. I do listen to some. Heather does. Some. So I've done 400. <laughs> let's, let's just stick with some. <laughs> but Heather will say, hey, I really want you to listen to this one. And okay. I always do. When I emphasize it? Okay. That's good. What have you seen me do in parenting boys that has been worthy of noting? That's what Audrey wants to know. Audrey Brewer. She's a loyal listener. I would say, first off, that you, the kind of the reaction of, you know, our four young men, four, four, well, actually I'd say two young men, two boys, um, you know, they're, it's unpredictable. And I would say for you in particular, a lot of it is just unfamiliar. The, why they do certain things and how they do certain things is just definitely not at all how, how you would do certain things. Yep. <laughs> um, and I'd say one thing that I have seen an area where I feel like I've seen you grow is a little bit more openness and not trying to understand them through your lens, but more, maybe more grace and and less judgment about the way that they go about it because it's just going, they're just going to operate very differently and they're not going to process things the way that um, you are processing things. And, um, and I think that's been real. I think that's helpful and constructive when I see that. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show, Bruce. Thank you for having me. I didn't welcome you at the beginning. I'm sorry. You're you're always welcome here in my <laughs> in my office. I can just show up. It's the seventh time. It's a completion. Does that mean you? That's it. You're never coming on again. No, 
who knows how many are we going to do? How many episodes will we do of this podcast? Who knows? But we have a new book coming out right where you belong. What are your thoughts on someone asked about, I didn't even know I was going to write books and now I've done two. I feel like it all kind of happened at the right time and in the right way. I think when you were first thinking about that years ago, you know, I think it, it, it more seemed like that was kind of the right step in the right timing and things like that. But I feel like when these books came out, I feel like, you know, you really kind of had the, the right story and it all made sense. It didn't feel like a career checkbox. It felt like this is just a natural progression of the story. It's good. Thank you for supporting me. It's a lot Always. of work. It's a lot of work, but I appreciate you. All right. Adios. Bye. Bye. I was realizing after we recorded this, how the topics of marriage and teens really do intersect in a powerful way. I was recognizing as even more fun teenage issues came up after we recorded this, how thankful I am that we in our come to Jesus moment when our second was born decided to put in place some connection points and we continued to adapt and change and make those meet our needs based on the ages of our kids and reached out to people for help, whether it was parents or whether it was friends who could be with our kids so that we could get away and stay connected because it does put a strain on your marriage. When things are hard with your teens, you are looking for a reason why it happened. And it's really easy for my heart in particular to point and blame the other uh, parent or feel shame in my own parenting. And so to have a safe space established prior to hitting those teen stress points, I think is, I'm just realizing for us, that was, I'm really thankful that we did that. So if you have kids, preschool, elementary years, it is worth the time and the effort and the energy to prioritize that connection. And I don't know what it's going to look like for you. I know every family is super unique and whether you have family nearby to help or not, I'm just speaking from ahead. I always say I'm the Titanic telling you to avoid the iceberg ahead, make it a priority and make time to stay connected to your spouse anyway. And for the teen challenges, I am really thankful for moms who are farther ahead of me that I've been able to reach out to who have given such great advice. I said that in the last episode, even moms who are in age-wise younger than me, but are so wise, just people to give perspective and help when you can't believe it for yourself. I'm just even, I'm such a fan of not momming alone. Like this is my whole brand, but I'm seeing it for myself and people are saying back to me things that I've said to them and the reality of God moving outside of our parenting is so important to hold on to. We are going to make good decisions. We're going to make bad decisions. And on all of that, our kids are their own people and God loves them more than we ever could. And so I just want to encourage you in that whatever season you are in, and this is going long, so I'm going to pray for us. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that... You've put us in relationship for a reason and that you um, you desire for us to know and experience your love. And I pray, Lord, that whatever is getting in the way of us talking to someone about what's hard right now, whether it's something hard in our marriages, whether it's something hard with our kids, 
that you would help us trust and believe um, that you will bring to mind the people you will cross our paths with whomever we need to be supported by, to feel your tangible love. I know, of course, we go to you first, God, and we seek your wisdom and your comfort and your Holy Spirit's help. And Lord, I just also believe that you have given us people, your tangible hands and feet for hugs, for care, for words of hope. And I thank you that you know how humans are made and you know what we would need. Um, I pray for each person listening that they would trust you in that process and come to you for what they uniquely need. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, a little rambly here at the end. I'm so sorry. Uh, Next week, super exciting. I'm going to have Candace Cameron Bure on the show. And some of you know why I am. Uh, It's super exciting news. I can't wait to share with you. And uh, also... I wanted to reinforce the phone number that you can call and leave a message for me. Some of you have already done it, and that's so fantastic. The phone number is 972-246-8699. It will ring and ring, and then you will hear a little message from me, and you just record. If you want to identify yourself, you can, but it also might tell me who you are already. And... If you leave a question, we might use it in an upcoming episode, but just know that I will see it. It goes into my email and I'll see your message. So thankful to be able, have a way to connect with y'all and I'll meet you back here next week. All right. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, While you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 317, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.